I heard a song this morning that talked about sisters and brothers. And you know, isn't it a wonderful thing that we're in a spiritual family? And uh, let's look to the Lord as our loving Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, we just humble ourselves before you. You are holy and your name is set apart. May your name be exalted in our lives. May your character be imputed in our hearts and through our lives to bring you glory and honor. And Lord, we want to thank you that we can meet openly, that we have freedom in this country. We want to ask for your blessing upon the soldiers, the men and women that defend this country. We want to thank you for the policemen and women that defend this city. We just want to thank you that you've given us freedom, freedom in Jesus. And Lord, we see your words coming true, that there is going to be challenges, trials, storms, and disasters. And yet you said, when all these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draws near. And so today, again, we look toward you. We want to say thank you for your promises. As we sang earlier, yes and amen to every one of your promises that sustain us through difficulties. Speak to our hearts and transform us more into the image of your loving Son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We're in Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. Uh, you can follow along with the verses on the screens or in your Bibles. And uh, today we're going to see opposition actually in the ministry of Jesus and in his life. And it reminds us that as believers, we too will experience difficulties, but we must choose to focus upon God's purpose for ourselves and to move past opposition. Um, I thought about... Uh, a person who works with, you know, the potential for bodily harm. It's someone that would keep a bees. And uh, to reach the goal, right, the beekeeper has to move past specific uh, harm and opposition, uh, the potential danger to receive the goodness of the honey. Um, but we're reminded we're not to take unnecessary risk. We're not to put ourselves in needless danger, but we're going to see in this passage today that when dangers come, we need to keep our focus and we need to move past them. Uh, you might have seen uh, people that uh, take the pheromones of bees and they cause all of the bees to uh, encapsulate their body. Uh, this is actually uh, things that people do and... Um, it kind of reminds me of putting yourself in needless danger, right? We're not to do that as believers, but we are to trust God in the dangers. Jesus is our example. So we need to remember as believers and the times that we experience difficulties, it's our choice to trust God and to move past opposition. Now we're in Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, and we're going to read verse 1 and 2 and make comments as we go. Then he, Jesus, went out from there and came to his own country. So he's back in the area of Nazareth. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, 
Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? So we've been seeing uh, Jesus doing many miracles. He was teaching around the Sea of Galilee, sometimes from the boat, sometimes in the synagogues. Uh, We saw that Jesus freed those who were possessed by demons. He healed people that no one else could heal. Remember last week, the woman that uh, reached out and grabbed the edge of his uh, garment. Uh, It says that for 12 years she had been sick. Uh, No one could heal her, but she chose in faith to reach out. Um, Ilse said yesterday, unexpectedly, uh, something got stuck and as she was eating and they went to the hospital for five hours, they were trying to put things back in order. And finally, she just said, Lord Jesus, touch and heal me. And guess what? He healed her. And uh, we need to remember that Jesus touched and healed those people that no one else could heal. He also raised the dead. Uh, we saw that with the 12 year old girl last week. Uh, it says he went away from there and came to his own hometown. Um, his disciples followed him. So this is up in the area of Nazareth. Nazareth is a beautiful little city that sits on a hillside in Israel. They kind of consider those hills to be mountains, but by our standard, they're just hills. Uh, He's teaching on the Sabbath in the synagogue, and people who are hearing him, uh, thinking about how he grew up, they say, where did this man get these things? They're not expecting him to be able to share God's truth in such a way. What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? So really they're questioning. And we see that by verse 3 where it says, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Uh, This tells us their attitude. And oftentimes, when people think that they know you, right, then they limit what God can do through you. Um, I remember when I first became a believer, uh, I was also a scuba diver, and people were kind of surprised, like, thank you. People were kind of surprised. How is it now that you understand things about God? And when Jesus came back, they associated him with being the son of Joseph the carpenter, Jesus himself being a carpenter. And they probably pictured him, right, in the carpenter shop, uh, doing woodworking, maybe working with uh, stone. And they were limiting that they didn't expect God's truth to come through him. They uh, said, is this not the carpenter? Now, I've taken the freedom here to use the words in the Hebrew Bible so that you get the connection. Uh, He's the son of a Jewish carpenter. Uh, They say the son of Miriam. Uh, That's how you say Mary's name in Hebrew. The brother of Yaakov. Uh, Yaakov is Jacob. Uh, Our English Bible translates it to James, but it should be Yaakov or Jacob. Yossi. Yossi is the short form of Joseph. Since the father is Joseph, who married uh, after Jesus's birth, he married Mary. Uh, they named their son Yosi, which is the short form of Yosef or Joseph. Uh, Yehuda, which is Judah, and Shimon, which is uh, in English Simeon. 
So if you go back to Genesis chapter 29 and 30, all of these names are found there, and it reminds us of the Jewish roots. Um, But they took offense at Jesus because they think, oh, you know, he's just, you know, from a normal Jewish family, a family of carpenters, um, maybe uh, doing some woodworking and some stonework. But they didn't think about the fact that God had a plan and a purpose and that he was going to come to earth and work through Jesus to accomplish his will and to fulfill his promises. Uh, They didn't expect Jesus to expand God's truth or to be used to do miracles. Jesus replies to them. He says to them, a prophet is not without honor and except his own country and among his own relatives and in his own house. Now, he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. So it really seems that they were too familiar with Jesus, and they limited the way that the Heavenly Father would work through him. Um, From this passage, uh, Augustine, when he was writing, he coined this phrase, familiarity breeds contempt, meaning if you're too familiar with something or someone, you start to limit your expectations. And that's what had happened in the life of Jesus. And unfortunately, one of the themes of the scripture is that people, uh, when they prefer their own sinful lifestyles, they will reject God's message and reject God's messenger. And Jesus was bringing the message. He was the messenger. Verse 5 tells us, He could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Right. So uh, it was surely in his heart to reach many people. But there were only a few that he reached because uh, most likely the ones that were limiting him didn't bring the sick people. Right. The ones that were limiting him didn't tell the ones at the outskirts of the city. Oh, Jesus is here. Come and be healed. Uh, They were limiting the work that God would do. And it says in verse 6, He, Jesus, marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over the unclean spirits. So um, because they rejected him, uh, he is amazed that they have unbelief And he starts to go out in different directions. A really unfortunate verse in the book of Psalms is found in Psalm 78, verse 41. It says, they, speaking of the children of Israel, they limited the Holy One of Israel. Have you ever been guilty of that? Um, One time when Martin and I had just got married, uh, we were traveling on the plane. We had our honeymoon in Israel. And... um, the turbulence started. Somehow or another, it always seems to come when you're starting to eat, right? And everything starts shaking, and all of a sudden, she grabs my hand like this, and she says, can we pray? And I said, of course. So we prayed. On the way back, uh, the same thing. Uh, the plane starts shaking. She gets all nervous, and we pray. And I said, you know, honey, you don't have to be nervous. God's not going to give us more than we can stand. She goes, I just hate turbulence. I hate turbulence. So then I was studying to become a pastor, and um, the future pastors were making a trip to Israel with their wives, and Marta and I came. We went, 
Same thing, the plane's shaking, she gets all nervous. On the way back, the plane was almost completely full of Jewish people with their kippahs, their black clothing, the religious Jews. And the plane starts shaking and she looks at me, she goes, I don't have to be afraid. We're with God's people. And I said, honey, we are God's people. <laughs> you know, and in a sense, right, in the other circumstances, she limited God. You know, the plane shaking, could God really help us? But then she says, we're with God's people. I said, we are God's people. Uh, Jesus, he sent his disciples out. And this is one lesson that you can see about Jesus facing opposition. He doesn't stay there and get into a big debate. What does he do? He leaves. And uh, there's a parallel passage you can read in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10. You can read on your own. He actually sends them out. And one of the things that he says is when they persecute you in one city, do what? Flee to the next one. So it's not to stay there fighting, uh, battling out with unbelievers. You just try to share God's truth and then you go on. It says in uh, verse 6 and 7, Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Now, notice this, right? Jesus is famous because he's healing people, uh, because he's raising the dead. But that's not the only focus of his ministry. It says he went about the villages in a circuit, meaning in a pattern, teaching. And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. So for sure, what Jesus did, he did with power. He even imparted the power to the disciples. But let's remember that the focus is upon God's truth to help people to see that they can be free. And when he sent out his disciples two by two, he commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. That's the outer clothing. He said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. Verse 11, and whoever will not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So they went out and preached that that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Uh, so we see, right, that they go out. Um, he tells them as they go not to take a bunch of stuff with them. And we're going to uh, understand that he wants them to focus upon God working through them as his instruments and not just upon uh, their own stability by the things that they take with them. Uh, he also warns them that some people won't receive uh, what they're sharing. And he says it's going to be a testimony against them. Uh, we may not always understand why the opposition comes. Uh, we might not feel worthy of being commissioned by God. But both are reality. Do you get that? Right? Just because you don't understand why people reject God's truth, it doesn't mean that you're to stop sharing. Uh, you might not understand why God could use you as a humble person, right? As his instrument. But both are a reality. You're to 
move past the opposition and allow God to fulfill his commission in and through you. The question is not why do these things happen, but what are you going to do? Right. And I think if you shift those questions, you'll do much better. You'll succeed for the Lord. You don't ask, why are they so opposed to Jesus? But what should I do in this circumstance? Uh, What would you have me to do? If we will obey, go and share, we need to remember that the power comes from Jesus. And sometimes I believe he allows opposition so that we don't trust in ourselves. Um, They were to rely upon Jesus and not their possessions. That's why he said, don't take extra money in your money bag. Uh, Later in Luke's gospel, just before Jesus went to the cross, he said, now you need to take these things because they were going to go out further. But at this time, they're to rely upon Jesus and not their possessions. If someone is receptive, right, it says if they listen, stay there. Don't go from one house to the other. Um, Matthew chapter 10, verse 13 says, if your peace rests upon the house, stay there. But if they're not receptive, you're not to argue, but rather depart. Uh, God is the true judge. Someone's talking a little bit loud back there. Um, God is the judge. And so when we send the, the message of his truth out, we need to rely upon him and commit the results to him. Whether people reject us or receive us, we commit it to the Lord. Verse 12 and 13. They went out and preached and cast out demons and anointed with oil and healed many. Right, so you can picture, uh, there's a lot of small villages in Israel. He's sending them out two by two. They're preaching, uh, they're teaching, they're overcoming the demonic spirits, they're anointing with oil, and people are getting healed. Uh, what's your life like? Is God working through you, right, to share his word with others, to pray for people when they're sick, um, to see victory in the spiritual realm? Um, I have a question for you. What rhymes with couch? Uh, no, what rhymes with couch, the word couch. Ouch, right? Grouch, slouch. Yeah, so if you refuse to be God's instrument, right, you're going to be grouchy. Uh, if you refuse to be God's instrument, you're going to start to slouch. You're going to get lazy. And if you refuse to be God's instrument, when you get to heaven, you're going to say, ouch. <laughs> Why? Because it says uh, that your works will be like wood, hay and stubble, things that can be burned away. It says that that type of person will be saved yet through fire. Right? Uh, ouch. Another question. What rhymes with share? Care, right? And if you care about a person, you will share with them. It's that simple. And so oftentimes I pray, Lord, give me your heart for the people around me. Uh, If you care about a person, you will share with them. Jesus said in John chapter 14 from verse 12, Most assuredly, or truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, 
that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. This is a promise of Jesus, right? That he wants to work through us. What does it mean, greater works? Uh, Is Jeff going to do something greater than raise a person from the dead? Most likely, no. But I believe it's not greater in intensity, but it's greater in diversity, meaning that God's going to work through us and do a greater quantity, not just a greater quality of work. He says, I'm going to my Father, so I will be working through you. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Uh, What does it mean to ask in the name of Jesus? It's in accordance with his nature, his character. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus desires to serve through us. Will you reach others or will you focus upon your own comfort? Uh, Honestly, uh, it's easy to live for your own comfort. We had a friend in Nigeria. He was a missionary and uh, he was getting ready to return to the States. He says, you know what? I'm afraid to go back to the States. A lot of people are afraid to go to Nigeria because there is armed robbery. um, There is malaria different things like that. He says, I'm afraid to go back. I said, well, why? He goes, because I don't know without that pressure, without that difficulty, if I'll walk as sincerely with the Lord. Um, But we have to live for the Lord and not for our own comfort. And if we live for him, there's going to be people that will oppose us. We read the verses today, uh, Paul's last words as he was writing in uh, 2 Timothy about how we live our life similar to running a spiritual race. So the question is for us, will you run your spiritual race in such a way to win? Will you remember that there is a reward in heaven for those that are faithful? Paul said, preach the word. Always be ready to share and to teach. Be watchful. Endure hardships. Fulfill your ministry. Finish the race. Keep the faith. God wants to work in and through us, but we have to be surrendered and submitted to him. I want to encourage you. He can do more than we ask and think. And he wants us to be his instruments. So if you feel like there's an obstacle, a hindrance, a barrier, just ask him to show you the way around it. And I want to finish today uh, with the verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Paul says, No temptation has overtaken you except is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Right? God will show you his way. We just need to be faithful because he has been faithful to us. Let's pray and dedicate ourselves to the Lord. Lord, first, uh, many of us, we need to say, forgive us for living for our own comfort, our own pleasures, and forgetting that you've chosen us, you've called us, you've appointed us, and also sanctified us to be your ambassadors. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Help us to live in the newness of life as your ambassadors. Impart your spirit 
that we could see you work in and through our life in the way that you did the disciples. And help us to move past every opposition and to count it all things of loss of this world that we might gain the riches of heaven that you promised us. We commit ourselves to you. Help us to fulfill your will and to do your works. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.